Hello, folks, and welcome back. This is the On Being Christian Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with me. I don't take it lightly. I know there's other things that you could do, and I sure do appreciate you spending some time with me. The On Being Christian Podcast is a ministry of Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City. My name is Nolan Ruby. I'll be your host. I'm also the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church, and it is our pleasure to have this platform to share the Word of God. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're getting things done. Uh, I've got some travel coming up and some travel that I've already done, and so my schedule is pretty busy, um, but it certainly is a lot of fun. I want to talk to you uh, today about something that it's an interesting thought. The Bible's so full of interesting thoughts, but every once in a while something will catch me, and it'll it'll just it'll just still me to where it's like, okay, this I, I for whatever reason I've read through my Bible uh, countless times, but. This time, this thing grabbed me, and I just wanted to dig into it. And there's a story in Matthew chapter 17, 14 through 21, that I think you're going you're gonna to be enticed in the same way that I am concerning this aspect. Um, I want to talk to you today about what is simply known or what is simply referred to in this section of Scripture as this kind, quote-unquote, this kind. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14, it'll go down through verse 21. The Bible says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes, or excuse me, oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to the disciples, to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And it was that last verse, folks, that just caught me. He said, here's the reality of being a Christian. This is what the Bible says. This is what God gave me. And through my sacrifice, through the grace of God, this is what I can give you. And then at the end of all that, he says, how be it? In other words, he says, however, this kind, in other words, what you just witnessed, that took a little something extra. He said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I want to talk to you about that concept of this kind, because I believe in our generation, we're going to begin to see more and more of this kind. There's going to be things that you and I just can't do unless we prepare before the day that we need it. Prayer and fasting. Let's define some terms here, and we'll get into this. In Matthew chapter 17, if you jump down to verse 15, it describes this young boy 
with one word. The, the Lord, have mercy on my son. So the man who's asking for this boy to be healed is none other than the boy's father. And the boy's father describes this boy, he says, for he is a lunatic. A lunatic. Now, I looked that word up. Strong's Greek Concordance, uh, reference number 4583. And the word literally means to be moonstruck, which is to be crazy. And so that's what he's, he's crazy. Now, moonstruck kind of caught me off guard because I didn't know that that was going to be a Greek reference that I would find. And so I looked that word up in the Oxford English Dictionary, and the word moonstruck means unable to think or act normally. Um, I, I pulled a, another defini- definition, excuse me, from vocabulary.com, and it, it stems from the ancient belief that the moon could actually cause you to go insane or, or to cause insanity. Now, I'm not really so much into that as much as I am into just the simple definition. Uh, according to the Bible, it's to be crazy or to be unable to think or act normally. And I believe that's where we are as a society quite often. We, we seem, or it would seem to me, when I hear stories and I deal with people, that people are increasingly, it would, it would seem, unable to act normally. They're unable to think and to compartmentalize things in a normal way. It, in, in, and the word crazy comes up. And so when I was reading this reference, I thought, man, that's that's really good. I should dig into this. Here's a, just a thought for you. The first written use of moonstruck, apart from here in the Bible, is found in John Milton's 1674 epic poem, Paradise Lost. And it included in a list of all, it was included in a list of all of humanity's afflictions. And so this concept of being crazy or unable to think and act normally is not a new concept, though it may feel that way to you and me. It's a concept that goes back in written form, in, in written English form at least, all the way to, to John Milton's famous poem, Paradise Lost. And it's being referenced here in Matthew chapter seven, uh, 17 and verse 15, where it's talking about this boy, and the, the father of this boy is saying, listen, he's, he's crazy. He can't act normal. He can't compartmentalize uh, thoughts and actions. He's, he's, he's throwing himself down into the water. He's throwing himself down into the fire. And, and I brought him. He says, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. It goes on in verse 15. It says, and sore vexed. Sore vexed is how his father described him. The word sore is a word that means uh, physically or morally amiss. It's diseased, whether it be bodily or with evil. It's a grievous, miserable soreness. That's what that word sore means, grievously stricken with either bodily or physical or mental or spiritual uh, malady. And then the word vexed is a word that means to experience, to experience a sensation or impression usually painfully. And so this young boy is described by the father, by, the, by his earthly father, as a lunatic, which means he's, he's moonstruck. He's unable to think or act normally. He's crazy. And this, 
this craziness, this unability or inability to act normally is causing grievous, sore pain. Can you imagine being a father, being a parent, having a son going through this and there's nothing that you can do about it? Folks, I think that's a lot of, we're there. And, and I'm not, again, this isn't a political podcast, but so much of what used to be religious has become political. And so you see fathers and mothers and parents just totally defeated, and their children are being targeted and told that their subjective opinions about all kinds of things, truth of requirements concerning their own body are all open for subjective decisions. And the parents are they're, they're, they're so defeated because they're watching their, their children deal with this demonic type of activity, and, and they don't know what to do, and they, they're going to everybody looking for help, and the people that they're going to help for are telling them that they're the problem, and they're the ones creating this strife and discontent in their child's life, and they feel like they're at the end of their ropes, and sometimes I just want to say, hey, listen, you're going to the wrong people. It's Christ that this father went to when his son was dealing with lunacy and craziness and this, lun- this lunatic, crazy thing going on in his life was producing uh, this disease, this grievous pain. And by the way, folks, when your children are going through pain, now, I'm familiar with pain. I have a purple heart, not to try to impress you with that, because to Marines, it's really not that impressive. It just means that I was dumb enough to get shot. But but what it does mean in the context of what I'm bringing it up for is that I'm familiar with pain. I used to be a fighter. I'm familiar with pain. I used to work in a corrections facility for a, dis- for a disturbance control squad and a special operations rescue tactics team. I'm familiar with pain. But never in my life have I been in more pain than when they told me, your son has cancer and he's not going to make it. The pain of that was so unbelievable, was so deep, and so thorough. And I can't imagine being this father, watching his son throw himself into the fire and throw himself into the water, and he's at his the absolute end of his rope, and he comes to the disciples, and they can't do anything. They can't do anything. And he comes to Jesus, and he says he's sore vexed. He's a lunatic, and he's desperate, and you can almost hear it in his voice, this plea for help. And that's where our story begins, and we're going to see what Jesus did. Before we do that, you can see a couple of the references to this story. Mark chapter 9, 17 through 18 refers to what this boy was dealing with as a dumb spirit. And it said one of the results of this dumb spirit was that it teareth and foameth and gnasheth and pineth. And those are all words that talk about the destruction of the this boy's body because of this spirit. Luke chapter 9, 38 through 39, you find more things that it says that this spirit is doing. It says he crieth and teareth and foameth and, and he's bruising. And that's so much of what I see and you can, you can take this for what it's worth. I think it's worth a lot if you let it be. We have a society where we are literally cutting children apart in the name of health. <laughs> in the name of 
equality and acceptance, and it's absolute lunacy. It's, it's, it's lunacy. There's no other explanation for it. It needs to stop. Who can stop it? Well, there's only one who's ever been able to take on this kind, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's look at what the Bible says about this kind. First point, the inability of the faithless. The inability of the faithless. Matthew, in our text, 17, 16 through 20, uh, I want you to see what Jesus' response is. It says in verse uh, 17, And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. From that very hour, the child was cured. This is the, and look what the disciples came, verse 19. The disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for I say unto you, If ye have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And we'll deal with verse 21 here in a little bit. But in verse 16, it says, O faithless and perverse generation. Verse 17, excuse me. Perverse is a word for distraught or corrupt. It means to misinterpret truth on purpose. It means I understand what I'm doing is not true. I understand what I'm doing is not possible. It's not physically or biologically a reality, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's the pervert. That's a. That's what he says. This generation is, and so, folks, I want you to understand what you're facing today and what what the world is facing today is not so new. This has been going on since human history has been recorded, and Jesus referred to this type of lunacy as perverseness. A perverse generation, he said. This is a you're a, you're a, you're a faithless and perverse generation. And then you see that he says, "How long, how long shall I suffer you?" And that same thing is found in Mark chapter nine. He says, "How long shall I suffer you?" That word "suffer" is a word that means to hold oneself up against. It's to to put up with or to endure, to bear. And so you see a little bit. A frustration coming out of Jesus here. He says, listen, you're you're perverse. You you don't this generation, you you you've given yourself over to things that that is the the contortion and the destruction of truth, of objective truth. And he gets frustrated and he says it's it's causing him grief. He says, I'm I'm suffering. How, how long is this need, does this need to go on? You see the same thing in Luke chapter 9, 40 through 41. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. <clears throat> Folks, this kind, the kind that we are dealing with in this, in, in this story, in this section of Scripture, is not a new kind. We're dealing with it today. There's things that you're up against, parents, teachers, principals, preachers, uh, community leaders, there's things that you're up against that have that it has you just exhausted. It has you absolutely overwhelmed. 
Jesus knows that. God knew. The only answer for this kind is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we're too quick to get involved in things, sometimes political, sometimes social, thinking that we're going to fix it. Folks, the only fix for this life, for this, for this generation, is the, is the sacrificial blood atonement of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You would do better to live a testimony of Jesus Christ with the effort that it reach the community around you than you would do to get involved in politics and different things like that, because it's Jesus Christ shining through you, the, the, the love of Jesus Christ set by the example that others see in you that's going to affect, quote-unquote, this kind. You see other things throughout the Bible concerning this section of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 73, 26, you'll find the Bible says this, My flesh and my heart faileth. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but I feel like that up against things, and you just it, it just defeats you so thoroughly. It runs through you so completely. I want to encourage you. It's when you feel like that, it's when you're up against those things, that Christ is available. The Bible says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the fact that when my in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. In other words, sometimes the Lord will let me go through things to show me that I can't do it, to show me the importance of relying on Him, because with me, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. How is that a reality? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Behold, all things are new. The old man has passed away. You're a new creature, and all things are new. What's, what's the new creature capable of? Well, the new creature is capable of doing things the old man could not do. Why? Because Christ is now a part of the picture. So how do I handle things that I can't understand? How do I handle things that seem to get the best of me spiritually and mentally and physically? How do I handle this kind? I throw it on Christ. I run to him. I run to him with open arms and total abandonment for everything else. I live the testimony of his death, burial, and resurrection in every aspect of my life. I, in short, be a Christian. Not, not as the world would describe it, but as the Bible would describe it. And so you see here, just by, just by our introduction and by our first point, that you have a situation that, that demands a more capable hand. Why does it need a more capable hand? Well, because the disciples couldn't do it. It says that there's inability in those who have no faith. In fact, if you are familiar with the Bible at all, you'll understand Hebrews chapter 11. It's often commonly referred to as the hall of faith. It starts off by saying, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And down in verse 6 it says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Ability in this life is not because I understand what to do, but because I have faith in God knowing what to do. I have faith in what God already did. And I have faith that in situations where I'm totally and completely empty, God can give me the right answers at the right time, can give me guidance, can give me peace in the inner man, can help me deal with this kind. Let's look at the second point. The first point was the inability of the faithless. 
The second point is the ability of the faithful. Look what it says in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 17. It says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if, and now he's going to describe what ability the faithful have, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. You find the same exact thing in Mark chapter 9, 23 through 24. All things are possible. Impossible is a word that means to be unable. And possible is a word that means powerful and capable. So in my natural man, I am unable. But in the personhood of Jesus Christ, I am powerful and capable. Well, how do I get there? Because if you were to give me a choice, if you were to say to me, I give you two choices, you can either be unable or you can be powerful and capable. Well, I'm going to choose powerful and capable every time. And Christ says, okay, great. Well, the only way to have that is by choosing Christ. And the only way to have Christ is by faith. And the only way to have faith is through repentance. Repentance of myself and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Christian life is. That's what the Christian life is. So the ability of the faithful. There's a lot of possibilities here that we could look at, but I'm going to, just for time's sake, we'll go to a couple of them. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. Let's look at the ability of the faithful. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26 says this, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Did you catch that? Sometimes we we hear things that the Bible says and we're like, listen, that's impossible. That's foolish. You're right. From the perspective of the understanding of men, that is impossible. From the perspective of the understanding of man, that is foolish. But the Bible says that with God... All things are possible. If you go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, the Bible says this, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Chapter 18 of Luke and verse 27, sometimes the pages of my Bible stick together and it drives me crazy. 1827 of Luke says, And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And so you see this uh, repeat itself, this, this, uh, this concept repeat itself throughout the Gospels. You also see it in the letters to the churches. If you go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says this, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then Mark chapter 10 and verse 27 See if I can jump over there real quick. Mark 10, 27, the Bible lays out this truth here. It says, And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. You find the same thing in Romans chapter 8. One more on this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 lays out the same exact thing. I use Romans so much in personal dealings with people that all the pages are kind of dog-eared here. Romans 8.31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? 
And so you have all these truths from the Bible that the, the faithless have no ability, and the faithful have all ability. That's just the way it is. It's, it's feast to famine. I either have it all or I don't have anything. And so when this man, this father, came to Jesus Christ totally exhausted, totally defeated by the disease of his son, he referred to his son as, as being a lunatic, not having the clear ability to think. He's casting himself into the fire. He's casting himself into the water. And he says, Lord, I can't, I can't take it anymore. You have to heal him. I, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Can you do it? I think that's where we are as a, as a society today. You see these, and, and I say youth because that's a lot of it is, is expressed in youth because youth are not exactly sure who they are, and they're testing out all these things, and we used to guide youth through that, that process, but now we tell them that whatever pops in their head is totally, completely true, and, and that we'll back them and support it, which is just lunacy, the literal definition of lunacy, to give children that much sway over their own life. They're, when their entire life is lived in fantasy world, especially some of these bills, folks, that are going through different legislative processes where we put, quote-unquote, gender in the hands of children who don't even understand the difference between reality and fantasy. And we're going to physically alter their body at their uneducated, unexperienced request Folks, I don't care who you give me. I don't care who you put me in front of. I don't care who I'm talking to. That is absolute lunacy. It's child abuse in its worst form. It's targeting youth for some of the sickest and most depraved things I've ever heard of. It's lunacy. It's unability. It's the inability to think clearly where we give this thing over. It's this kind. And this kind, as exhausting as it is, to you and to me and to fathers and mothers and Christian leaders, as exhausting as it is, this kind does come forth. In other words, it can be beat. Prayer and fasting and Christ. Let's look at the very final point here. Verse 21 of Matthew 17. The Bible says, Then Jesus, uh, excuse me, how be it, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. This kind. Mark 9, 29 says the same thing. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. The idea being that the vital truth to remember is that all things are not possible with you, but rather all things are in fact possible with God. The moment it becomes about you is the moment of your own inability. Inability with respect to the things of God are dangerous. When we make our Christian life about what we can and cannot do, then we have willingly, as ignorantly as it is, chosen to only live our life according to things we can't do. But when we make our Christian life about Christ, about what He can do, then we realize that I could never do anything anyway, and that it's only through the ability of God and the grace of God that He gave me His Son, Jesus Christ, that I have anything to offer anyone, because without him, I'm nothing. And with him, I have everything. And that's as simple as it is.
If you go to Acts chapter 19, 11 through 16, I'll go over there real quick. Acts 19, I believe. And then starting in verse 11, and I'll read down through the 16th verse. If I can get there, I apologize, folks. It says in 1911, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought out the sick, were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the disease departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and a chief of the priest which, uh, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirits was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This is such an interesting story. It says they prevailed against them, folks. So you have Paul doing things, but not by his own power, but by the power of God through him, which is the, the, the ability of the faithful. And then you had what the Bible refers to as vagabond Jews. Vagabond, in other words, they had no authority over their life. They had no authority over their actions. They had culture, and they had opinion, and that's all they had. And they tried to do, with demons, the same thing that Paul did. And the Bible says the demon inside the person that this vagabond Jews addressed, the demon looked at them and said, Jesus I know. And Paul, I know, who are you? Can you imagine being that man in that moment? Here you thought you were going to do some wonderful work of God, but you were going to do it in a way that made you look good. You were going to do it from the perspective of things that made sense to you. And so you throw your hat in the ring, and you take on what the Bible refers to as principalities and powers, and you realize very quickly and in real time not only do they not listen to you, but they don't even know, they target you. It said it, it, it prevailed against, the Spirit prevailed against them. That word prevailed is a word that means to have or to exercise force over, to be of strength or be whole against, to win by work. So physically, these vagabond Jews were totally defeated by the things that Paul, through the power of God, was defeating. So here's my question to you. How many things are you being defeated by? And do you understand that through the Bible and through the doctrine of God, it is not God's will that you are defeated by those things? It's not His will. His will is that through the power of Christ— you can have a successful, meaningful, sacrificial Christian life, a Christian walk with God, a life that points towards the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a life that has power over this kind, not because of you, but because of your reliance on Jesus Christ. What things in your life 
that you not have the victory over and you haven't had the victory over for some time because Christ is not in authority in that area over your life. Maybe your entire life is a, is a life of defeat. It's because there's no authority. There's no Christ. Those demons looked at that vagabond Jew and said, Paul, I know. It's a Jesus I know. I know who that is. I don't mess with him. And Paul, I know. I know that he's got power. I know who he works for. But who are you? How many times have you taken on things in this life, folks, for those things to turn right back around and bite you worse than you thought you could be ever be bitten? This life is full of this kind, and this kind can hurt you. But when you live a life in total subjection to the authority of the Word of God, when you live your life with prayer and fasting, then this kind can be beaten, not by you, but by Christ, which dwelleth in you. Because with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Imagine that. All things are possible. So we have this story here of a father. I'm sure he loves his son very much. He's in pain because his son's in pain. And if you're a father, if you're a mother, you understand that the greatest pain is watching your children live a life of pain. What do you do? Well, maybe you've tried the culture. Maybe you've tried the pastors and the preachers and the self-help books and the doctors and the medicine. Maybe you've tried all those things and it didn't work. None of it worked. Maybe it got worse. You took your daughter or your son in and you were told that you were the problem. You were the reason for them being confused and unhappy. It's your fault. And you're starting to doubt yourself and you're starting to doubt your capacity for love of this person. And maybe you got it all figured out wrong. Maybe you've been making a mess. Maybe you are all of these things and you have a crisis of confidence and just so much confusion and, and despair. That's the result of the work of, quote unquote, this kind. How do you beat this kind? With you and by your own work, it's impossible. You have to have Christ. Christ can beat this kind. How does he do it? Well, he did it for me through his sacrifice on the cross, and he continues to do it for me through love. He loves me. I encourage you to go back and listen to the very first podcast on this channel called But God Loved Me. He loves me, and he loves you, and he wants you to have the victory over this kind. He wants you to have a life of victory. How do I do that? Faith. Faith. The Bible says in Romans, he that cometh to God must, or excuse me, um, it says, uh, I'm going to go read it because I have Hebrews 11 on my mind. I've just been sitting here quoting it. And, um, and that's not what I'm trying to quote. Romans chapter 10. It says in verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And then if you jump down to verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have a relationship with your Heavenly Father today 
and this kind can be defeated in your life today. What's required? Faith and repentance to the God of your soul. Folks, I love you, and I pray that the Lord blesses your life and helps these things to sit inside your heart and mind, encourage you and comfort you if that's what's needed, or convict you and drive you to seek the Lord's face and an answer to these questions if that's what's needed. If you need to talk to me, or if you have any questions, or you want to get a hold of me, or just drop a line, you can get a hold of me at wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A-T-C-H, frontbaptistchurch.com. There's a tag on there under the drop-down menu uh, entitled Contact Us, and you can send me a direct email, or you can also call me here at the office, and I'd love to take the call and talk to you if I can. If I'm not available, leave a message, and I'll get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you are productive in whatever you're doing, and that uh, and that you're have a blessed rest of the week as you go through it. I'll pray, and I'll be done. Father, thank you so much for the message and for the time you allowed us to spend some time in your Word. We leave these things in your hands and ask that you would benefit this, that you would drive this and, and be the, the comforter and the convictor behind your Word, that you would push Father, those of us who, who have need that this be real, push us to the cross, push us to the place where we seek your face. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I certainly am. I believe this is number—it's either 14 or 15. I can't remember. I should always write a little note to myself when I get started on these. Um, and again, if you have any questions, please, I encourage you to contact me. We've got some different opportunities coming up here concerning content. Uh, I think I have an interview lined up with a guy that I served with way back in the day who has gone on to become a lawyer. And so I'll let you know about that as that gets closer. That should be a lot of fun. Otherwise, you have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon. God bless.